0: Get ahead with WKGN 1340 oh. live from the White Claw hard seltzer studios in Knoxville it's the morning show on fan run radio here are your hosts John Reed and Bob Baskerville
1: Back in the booth, back on the airwaves, coming at you live from the fan-run studios of the White Claw Hard Seltzer Variety. John Reed, Bob Baskerville, Sam Beard, happy Friday to you. Friday, February 9th, Super Bowl
0: Friday. How are you, Bob? Doing great. Had my best night of sleep the whole week. Feels good, getting ready for a weekend, although the weather's turning on us, it's going to be a little wet, but that's okay, it's all right. How about you?
1: Best night of sleep of the week, right in time to coast into the weekend and and maybe sleep in a little bit tomorrow, an extra 30 minutes or so before you go play some pickup ball. And You know, I woke up at 5.30 and I agree, I felt so refreshed, but then I went back to sleep and then I felt groggy when I woke (laughs) up like 30 minutes later. Big mistake by me. You should have just rolled out of bed, but I'm here. I'm good. Sam, what about you?
2: That's something I've kind of learned as well, John. I think if you, I think if you feel good on the initial wake up, you just get the you get yeah. the morning rolling with this morning show. Because yeah. I did the same thing. I woke up at like five fifteen, and I was like, man, I feel like I had a ten hours of sleep. I've I've never been able to do that. Same. I've never been able to
1: do that. I don't know if that's the next part of maturation. I don't know if there's some 24-year-olds out there who have been living that way their whole life, and maybe I've just missed the boat. But, yeah, if I could squeeze an extra 15 minutes of laying in bed, I'm going to do that, even if that means I fall asleep and then get jarred awake by my alarm and then become groggy. I need to just get up on the initial wake-up. I think that's what separates morning people from the rest of the world, Yeah, is that they're able just to get up and get running.
2: I think I'd be pretty powerful if I could get up on my first initial wake-up.
1: It doesn't matter if you're the lion or the gazelle. Sam, both of you got to wake up and start running in the morning. That is,
2: true. that is absolutely true.
1: You got to wake up and start running. <laughs> Whether you're chasing something or being chased, get up and go. Amen. You got to outrun the fastest line or you will be killed.
2: Maybe I'm a lying, cheetah.
1: You got to outrun the slowest gazelle or else you will starve.
2: What if I'm a cheetah though?
1: You know, I don't know if they are really into the whole killing thing. I don't know how cheetahs get down. Are cheetahs out here hunting like lions? I mean, I assume they are, but, like, maybe they're not hunting as big of things. I'm not really a big cat expert.
2: I'm not either.
1: (laughs) But I always think about lions, you know, king of the jungle. They're out here. I I know they're hunting. I don't know if the gazelle, or I don't know if the cheetah is. He's just out there running. Yeah, they're just running. He's more of a track star. They take care of him. I watched... Tennessee's biggest competition last night, Arizona. They were on the ropes. They were on the ropes. Tennessee's biggest competition right now for a one seed. I imagine that the bracket people moved Arizona ahead of Tennessee for the one seed. Because for at least one day yesterday, Tennessee was projected to be the fourth and final one seed. And then Arizona went and won at Utah in triple overtime. I didn't think they particularly looked impressive. I'll take Tennessee's chances against them because, you know, if they're both matched up as the one and two, they might be, you know, linked together in the West. If Tennessee's the top two, they might give them the weakest one in Arizona and maybe, maybe Tennessee's playing out West. I don't know, but I I was watching and scouting Arizona who blew a 16 point halftime lead and let that game get tied and then blew a five second lead with like 55 seconds left and, and then, yeah, triple overtime, they ended up pulling away, but I was sweating. It's 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 a month away, you know, from the end of the regular season in college basketball. It's time to start doing a little scouting of Tennessee's opponents, but that's what I watched last night. What about you, Bob?
0: I saw a little bit of it. I thought, I, I, I have to admit, I checked out. I thought it was over. You know, Arizona had a pretty decent lead, but then they, they squandered that in the second half, and... Um, yeah, what I'm reading too was, so Lenardi had Tennessee as a one seed yesterday, but like you said, John, with Arizona winning, I think that gives them an additional, they have one more quad one win than Tennessee. Plus they haven't been beaten at home, which I guess they factor in, um, which kind of sucks, but it's early. Uh, it's nice to just be in that conversation that a one seed is in, in sight, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy about that, but, uh, yeah, not gonna lie. I was, I was, I saw that score this morning. I was and then so I watched sports center and I thought, man, why couldn't Utah have pulled that thing off? That would have been nice.
1: I'll tell you why they couldn't pull it off because as I'm watching one of my biggest basketball pet peeves kept happening and it's, it was bad point guard play and point guards missing free throws. And that's what Utah was doing. Their point guard just couldn't get out of his. The the point guard couldn't get out of the way and just let the rest of the team succeed. He he just wanted – I don't know if he's usually good. I'm not going to pretend to be a Utah basketball expert. But I know they were up one going – You know, they got fouled with 40 seconds left. He goes one for two from the free throw line. Arizona ties it. End of second overtime. Utah has the ball. Shot clock off. Chance to get the last shot. He dribbles the ball out of bounds on the baseline with five seconds left. They didn't even get a shot off. Arizona ends up missing, you know, their chance to to win the game. And then, yeah, last night there was a three-point game with like a minute and a half, two minutes left, and he has the game tying wide open three and bricks it. He's the reason they lost. He stinks.
0: I saw one in the highlights. I saw one one shot from an, from a Utah guard that, like, literally hit nothing but the backboard no that was was
1: the end of the first overtime shots i believe that that was not the same guy that was uh that was a chance to win the game and yeah they got the worst look maybe you'll (laughs) ever see it just clanked (laughs) off the backboard so yeah utah utah was clutch up until it was time to be clutch then they missed free throws and could not get a good look off to win the game so arizona gets their fifth quad one win the difference is you said they haven't lost at home but they do have a quad three loss and who is that to? I don't know who that's to. I haven't pulled up their actual schedule. I'm just looking at their resume. They have a quad three loss according to net rankings at ESPN. Let's see. As I'm scrolling their schedule. Oh, Stanford They lost maybe? to Purdue, FAU. Definitely Stanford. S- yeah. Stanford.
0: At Stanford. Got blown out by Killed. Stanford. Lost yeah. by 18. Back to Utah for a quick second. Man, were you ever right. They were 10 of 21 at the line for yep. the game. Yep. I mean, that's that's horrible. Horrible. They blew
1: it. They blew it, and they had a chance to do Tennessee a solid. But, you know, it's still somewhat early in the season. Or maybe not early in the season. That's not the right way to say it. There's only a month left in the season. There's still time. It's not early in the season, but there's still time for things to shake out.
2: Tomorrow's your upset spot for for Arizona, going on the road to play Colorado.
1: Going on the road to play Colorado? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good matchup.
2: Colorado a solid team. Yeah, they got some guys. They got some guys. They got some, some guys that can, you know, they got some scores.
1: Number 31 right now in the net ranking. So yeah, I was going to say they're
0: they're a bubble team. Um, but, uh, Lenardi's got them his first four out, but, uh, yeah, it's a big opportunity for them that if you're a
1: Colorado basketball fan, you should be there and ready to go, which I'll, you know, Utah was, the crowd was pumped up and the 16 point, you know, halftime comeback always is pretty fun. And I checked the score at halftime. I was like, oh, well, that was dumb to to have any I, any, any inclination that Utah could keep that game closed to pay somewhat attention to that. And then I looked back at the 10-minute mark, and it was tied. I was like, or five-minute mark, as it was tied. I was like, okay, I'm going to turn it on. But, yeah, Colorado, a perfect 12-0 and at home. So, okay. They need Coach
0: Prime there on,
1: for that game. <laughs> As Is well. he? I wonder if he goes to any Colorado basketball games. Does he bring his cowboy hat on and go sit say, there, court son? Rocket that the Super White Bowl cowboy. right now. <laughs> yeah, there's
0: no doubt. Yeah,
1: he's not. And then, of course, Tennessee will play Texas A&M on the road. So both teams that are kind of competing for that one seed going to be on the road getting tested. I haven't seen a line yet for the Texas A&M-Tennessee game. I'm going to guess four and a half. Four to four and a half, I think, is where that line kind of opens up. And if I was going to say one way or the other, I would say I would maybe be a little bit low on that. I think it would be more likely to be five, five and a half, than it would be to be three, three and a half, if I was just guessing and trying to project that. We'll see. But it's going to be a tricky game for both of those teams. There's your college basketball update outside of Kelly and the girls losing again. I didn't even see that. Yep, lost to Alabama, blown out by Alabama, lost by sixteen. I'm pretty sure. Lost by sixteen, I, I believe was the was the number. Right, I think it was uh, yeah, seventy two to fifty six. The difference in the game. Essentially, they they lost the first quarter by two points, tied the second quarter, tied the fourth quarter. Problem was they got beat twenty eight to fourteen coming out of halftime. So the old halftime adjustments did not did not work well for the uh, the ladies. So. Seems as if Tennessee, from what I've saw in the college basketball Twitter, was, was that the Lady Vols are a bubble team, which, which seems crazy. Like, I like, mean, not make the damn tournament.
2: Is it pretty much like foregone conclusion that she's going to be gone by the end of the year?
1: I mean, I would think so. Would on think so on too, one right? hand, if I'm Danny White, I'm like, hey, I'm a little busy. We've got this whole, like, Nico lawsuit thing going on. We're fighting the NCAA. I'm a little preoccupied, but at the same time, I might be itching to make a hire. Because, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. We're good at every sport except the one we should be good at. Yeah. Like, the, we should be the premier flagship program in college basketball. College basketball on the women's side is pretty fun right now. And we are a complete afterthought. It's not even noteworthy when we lose, really, in, in, in the SEC anymore. It used to be a big deal. Like, uh, there's once upon a time Alabama beating Tennessee would have been a huge deal. And instead, it's just like, yeah, yeah that's just kind of what happened. And that's maybe the biggest indictment.
0: That's uh It's a good point about Danny White. Maybe maybe preoccupied, maybe though. It's also like, hey, things are going well here. This is the time the job could be exactly. as attractive as any of it to someone. But I don't know. I, I don't know get how to read that one of there's I, I've been more of the mind that he's He's fine with it for a little while. He'll maybe ride it out, but I don't know. When they keep when I keep hearing about losses and then a loss like that last night, that's not a that's not a good trend at all. It's it's definitely not showing signs of rebounding.
1: Did you ever get a itchy finger to want to fire somebody at your jobs throughout life? Did you ever be like, hey, you know what, things are good, but let's shake it up, let's get the team talking a little bit. We gotta get a little unrest, put people on notice, like, hey, it's time to shape up or ship out. Can you come in here and talk to me?
0: Bring your stuff. My attorney would tell me to just leave that one alone.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. It's Super Bowl Friday. We'll talk about the Super Bowl coming up after the break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning. Traffic's on the increase I-40 as you come through Dandridge. They're through that section of Jefferson County in and through Sevier County. All right. During the break, Bob was telling us about a guy in California that brought a gun on him. So I need to hear this story. I, I, am not a lawyer. I don't know how these statute of limitations work, but you said you're in California, like in the 90s, right? So yeah, this has been long ago. That's that's long enough. You could talk about this one.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And if in the, there's no way in hell this guy's listening, but it's 4:15 a.m. He's yeah, not awake. But if, but if he is, we're we were cool at, at the end of it all. But um yeah i had to let somebody go and he uh, had a little bit of a anger management issue and he was working with producers and stuff and that's why we had to make a change and and we knew it'd be tense and uh so we made sure we had security somewhere in the vicinity and so we brought the guy in he cried hard and you know that that made me a little bit sad um but it was like we still have to do this and Then it was like, uh, we need, because he was, he had a company vehicle, too, um, and told him, I was like, well, we need you to get your stuff out of your vehicle, give me your keys, all that stuff. And he was like, okay, well, let's go. And we, you know, I walked out with him and he goes, and he goes, as we were walking out, he goes, man, I I was worried this was what was going to happen today. And he goes, and I, you know, he goes, and I brought a gun along, you know, and I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> Hit pause. Uh, and I was like, all right, well. Um, I'm so I'm back inside. Yeah. And so we're walking and he looks at me and he, he goes, come on, man. He goes, I wasn't talking about doing anything to you. He goes, I'm talking about doing something to myself. It was kind of dark. And I was like, let's just get the stuff out of your car. And sure enough, he goes to his car and and I goes, so that's in the car? And he goes, yeah. And I, I, I go, I'm going to stay back here. Well, he opens the car and sure enough. This is not. This is real. It was a. It was like a sawed-off shotgun. Oh, good. So we had to at that point. I was like, nope. I'm. I it, it, we had to get security and have him. You know, he had to be a he. Had, we had he got arrested and and oh god, he's
1: he was suicidal. And then you got him arrested, but maybe maybe but, they got him some help. Maybe they got everything calmed th- down. Th- uh,
0: th- Listen, th- there was not a single thing that was that was fun about it. But uh, as I was telling you in the break, he and I bumped into each other like a year or two later at at the Oscars, and he was he was so kind and you know we hugged it out everything was okay um and it, he even said he goes I'm really sorry about what happened back then he goes I I needed to figure some stuff out and you were right and it all worked out but man it was a it was a scary freaking moment i mean i have to say it was like uh cuz you don't you don't prepare for that stuff and by the way given what the 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 piece of uh firearms was if he had decided to use that, I was not that far away with that. With the spray of that thing, I could have been yeah. taking you down at least. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah. I got stories, man. It's been a long. I've been I've been lucky, but that was a, that was a weird day. But uh, yeah. So again, it goes all the way back to what we were talking about with Kelly Harper. Um... <laughs> <laughs> It's a great analogy. No, but some of those uh,
1: girls that shoot on the court do look like sawed-off shotguns. The way it just kind of spreads yeah. out. Uh, nah, but brick, but,
0: brick. But but firing people is that's hard stuff for. And you know, you can make it as impersonal as possible, but it's still there's there's always complications or the chance for them and. Um, Obviously, it's not gonna ever get like that. I would think, you know, if Danny's got to make that kind of decision with Kelly, but it's it's you don't you don't think <laughs> Kelly's
1: got a sawed off shotgun in her can't trunk? imagine. Okay, Who can't
0: imagine. I would probably bre- breach the, her her buyout, but uh, um, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, it's I, I feel for anybody who's got to go through that stuff in any profession whatsoever, not just as an athletic director.
1: See, I almost disagree when it comes to the sports side of it. I don't know how many coaches have ever been fired that truly thought they were doing a good enough job that truly thought, you know what? Like, okay, this is complete BS. We're doing so good. Look at the recruiting classes, look at the wins and losses. Like I'm going to say the vast majority of times in his heart or her heart, the coach would say, okay, yeah, I get it. Cuz like if if this were to happen here after the basketball season, I, I can't see any scenario where Kelly would be like, "You know what? I held my end of the bargain up and we lived up to the Lady Vol standard." Because I'd imagine these coaches are self-aware. And especially in this scenario here in Knoxville, like Kelly Harper who has been on, you know, championship teams and of course is is aware of what this program used to be and what it should be. I think in her heart she'd be like, "Okay. Yeah, Thanks for the opportunity. I'm hurt. I'm sad that I, I, I failed, but like no hard feelings, Danny. I, I get it.
0: I, I don't disagree with that. I would say also in the, in the, the industry that I have spent most of my career in there, there is an adage that says, uh, it goes like this. If you, if you haven't been fired, you haven't made it, you know, it's like, because a lot of, a lot of those high ranking positions, you've got to take chances. They don't work often, you know, and things like that. So it, I would say that uh, you're probably right. I think some people that are in that spot have to look at it and not feel like, man, I, w- I was wronged.
1: Uh, Is TV similar in that? I mean, cause there's a scoreboard there as well, right? Absolutely. With the
0: ratings and, and things
1: you can check and metrics on the backside. So I imagine you can kind of keep track of like how you're performing
0: and what you're doing yeah it was it's very much that way i mean and it and it runs the gamut it's it's really um incredibly tough for people that are in front of the camera because they're going to be linked to ratings you know Mm -hmm. for their shows and and then yeah and then the executives that make those choices to create those shows or put those shows on or program them in the schedule the proper way whatever they're all on the line there. And then what's going on in the industry today is absolute like unprecedented record numbers of people being laid off. and that's because of all the fragmentation and disruption in the industry. and that's got nothing to do with the metrics. So now it's it's moved from it used to be more like what coaches went through um, to now, it's just like anything else like big you know manufacturing or something else along those lines.
1: Yeah, I guess sports don't really have that like layoff mentality. Like, maybe we should in terms of budget cuts. Like, ah, you know, uh, the, the attendance wasn't as great as we thought it was gonna be, so we're gonna have to let you go. Because <laughs> in in sports, of course, that comes with a big fat buyout, and the coaches get paid to fail. And it's like, yeah, we're gonna have to let you go. We're gonna have to lay off a couple people, and you know, I guess sometimes they just drop sports. They'll be like, hey, you know, sorry, uh, men's lacrosse team, you're you're out of here. We can't afford to keep you up anymore. But like, yeah, there's wins and losses, and you could kind of point to that. I mean, just here at Tennessee, in the coaches we fired. I mean, by the time we actually fired coaches, it was obvious that everyone. It was obvious to everyone, and I imagine the coaches themselves like, yeah, it was time. Like, you think Jerry Pruitt was sitting there after after three and seven and an NCAA scandal, being like, man, can't believe they fired me. I'd imagine he'd be like, "Yeah, okay, that makes sense." You like Butch Jones, like, at like whatever it was, three and seven, three and eight after Missouri kicks his ass. You think he was looking around like, "Man, I could get this turned around."
0: Oh he, no, he might.
1: <laughs> you think he thought, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I was wrong. Yeah. It was just one bad season. If they'd have fired him like they should have after the 2016 season, he might have had a gripe. Yeah. But like the problem I've had in the sports world is that, like other industries, I, I think bosses have to. Have to make sure production doesn't dip that low. Imagine at your job if you had to wait until like the ratings absolutely crater before you make a switch. Or if you're, you know, if you're working at a, at a restaurant, you have to wait till the doors are basically getting barred up because people quit coming because the cook is spitting in the food or, or messing up, serving rotten ingredients. All of a sudden you lose your entire, entire customer base. Okay, time to make a switch, gonna make a gonna hire a new chef, gonna hire a new GM. You don't do that in other industries and in sports. You always wait too long. You always wait too long to make the fire. Like I said, with Jerry Pruitt, it took three and seven and an NCAA scandal. With Butch Jones, it took three and seven, three and eight, and getting your ass kicked by Missouri and things getting rotten to the core. I wish, and I've, I've really been pushing for this for a long time, I wish sports would, would look at themselves as different industries and just be aware of like what certain coaches are. I maintain if they had, if you know if Butch Jones had left after 2015 or 2014 he'd have been a legend here because the recruiting was kind of stacking up and you know you could have hired somebody to take it to a different level if Tennessee would have you know made the tough decision to fire him in 2016 whenever you know you still had a little bit of a core here or 2015 after you know you still had a little bit of a core here and hired somebody to take them to a different level you don't let the program crater in sports you always are having to build back up from the
0: absolute bottom. Yeah, the only – I was thinking about this while you were talking, too. There's – you know, it's its true. And it's like <clears throat> one of the few times I've seen something uh, – a scenario where in a lot of other institutions, the coach would have gotten fired, but he didn't. And it ended up kind of working out was Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Because if you think back to his first couple seasons, they were they were bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this day and age, I think if this was a you know in this era, which is different, uh, I think he would have been gone. But they they stuck with him. He's probably the best. You could argue he may be the best coach or most successful coach Kentucky's had. I would, Bear Bryant, I know, was there at one point. But um, and we talked about that earlier in the week. That's that's the perfect place for him. But. Uh, I just think that it's very, very rare you see something like that where a university is going to stick it out with someone. And I don't know what the motivator to that was. Um, but most of the time, they, they, it's one, it's either one thing or the other. It's either there's an itchy trigger finger and it happens too soon or it happens they wait too long. There's no in-between, it feels like to me.
1: You could maybe also point to I mean, and this team just of course won the national championship, but I could say Michigan oh, yeah. was a little slow on that too. But Harbaugh at least had gone twelve and one in year or excuse me, had a had came to Michigan, won double digit games at the very beginning. So like he got off to a good start and then it just kinda, you know, cratered out, really peaking at the end of COVID, right? When they went two and two and four and canceled the Ohio State game because they were afraid of that beating and it's like, ah, hey, we're not gonna play it. Nope, not gonna do it. Yeah. And at that point, you thought, okay, it's time to probably look elsewhere. And they wrote it out. and Then you responded by going 12 and one, 13 and one, and then of course 15 and 0. 12 and one then lost the ball game. So I guess 12 and two overall. But yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it sometimes does work, but I just think in sports, almost every time someone gets fired, you're like, yep, that was a little bit too late. Except in the NBA when they got rid of Adrian Griffin. Cause they got they they did that pretty early. They're like, you know what? We're gonna go ahead, sir, and say that uh, you're not gonna make it past the probationary period of the three months before, like we officially hire you on. Like you're
0: you're out of here. Who was the it, the the Cleveland coach? Was it Blatt? Dave Blatt? Blatt? Yeah. yeah, he was another one. Like that was a LeBron-architected thing, right? Yeah, he,
1: he went to the finals the first year, and then the second year came out with a good record. But I, I would say in that scenario, you would argue that this it's what I'm talking about, though. The Cavs looked and said, actually, we're going to make a change. We think we got somebody better here that could do a job better and get along with players. And then they fired David Blatt in the middle of 2016, promoted Ty Lue, and then went on and won the finals and beat you know, a 73-win Golden State team. And, and Ty Lue became uh, thought of as like the, for a while they were calling him like the Bill Belichick of, of the NBA in terms of how he can game plan and strategize. So, I mean, I would say that that was a... a program or a franchise looking and being aggressive and making that switch. Not a coaching decision. Not a coaching decision. But I do think in the Super Bowl you have a a comparable analogy of, hey, you know, uh we're gonna let somebody else take us to the next level. Because the Chiefs went to the playoffs with Alex Smith and, you know, we're a pretty solid team and they looked and said, actually we're gonna bring on bring in somebody else to do this job. And of course, the rest so far Is history that is still being written because Patrick Mahomes, fast forward, has been to three Super Bowls and won two of them and is getting ready to play in his fourth. We'll dive into that after the break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio.
2: Are you ready to flash that death?
1: We are 48 plus, some change hours away, maybe like 53 hours away, 56 hours away from the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes set to play in his fourth, and for the Chiefs, it was probably tough to make a decision to get rid of Alex Smith. He had done everything you needed him to do in terms of getting them to the playoffs and legitimizing them and legitimizing Andy Reid's time in Kansas City, but Kansas City wanted more. And they inserted Patrick Mahomes and, of course, became the flagship franchise in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is on a Tom Brady pace. Patrick Mahomes could win his third Super Bowl. And in the one Super Bowl that you looked at that he lost, he played great. It's just that they couldn't stop Tampa Bay and they couldn't block Tampa Bay. He was running for his life. We'll go to the phone lines, 865-546-8200 if you want to weigh in. Roberto,
3: happy Friday to you. The floor is yours. John, good morning, sir. Morning. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, man, uh, the, when you 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 kind of, in a good way, you kind of triggered me to talk about Patrick Mahomes. I think that he right now, he's doing things quarterbacks we've n- we've never even seen them do in the NFL. Um, it, you said he's on a Brady pace. Forgive my ignorance, because it it is that. Uh, is he not ahead of Brady Pace based on number of years in the league? versus Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's here.
1: it's if you said he was going to win two Super Bowls every five years, or whatever it would be, maybe he could get to eight. But they're similar in the sense that Brady won three. Actually, Brady would be ahead if you just look at the beginning of the career. Now, if you did like mm-hmm. an average and okay. it out, but like Brady had three in his first like four years starting, right?
3: I, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. So and and so maybe he's behind Brady Pace, but. There's no doubt that he's paced with Brady to be a Hall of Famer. Oh, for sure. I think he. I think if he got hurt tomorrow in practice and his career was over, do you think he'd be in the Hall of Fame? Yes, I do too. Um, I just think he's a phenomenal player. Uh, and and here's my question to you, John. I, and I know you don't get caught up in the celebrity stuff too much. You're more about the sports, but. What makes me dislike him is the people around him. I think that if he didn't have Brittany and his brother around him, he would be so much more likable. Because he's kind of likable as is, but those people really bring him down a notch. What are your thoughts on that and his legacy?
1: I mean, I think I felt bad for Patrick Mahomes for the last couple years. Now, so far this year, I mean, Brittany and Jackson, I think they're gone. Like, I don't think they're really... A part of the narrative anymore i think they kind of got i mean
3: she's going to be on the cover of sports Illustrated Well, yeah yeah time. but
1: i was going to say like you haven't had oh, okay. any bad stories about the brother and the and the wife hasn't really been in the picture this year in terms of anything bad other than like hey here she is high-fiving taylor swift i think they kind of got trumped by taylor swift but like i felt bad for patrick mahomes just because he, he married his high school sweetheart and he has a brother for his entire life and people are mad at him for the way they're yeah. acting. He's like, hey, "You know, I'm, I'm not doing this stuff. I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting here." There was a one sad picture of him at the Mexican restaurant where he's just like trying to eat his tacos and they're trying to do TikToks and he's just sitting there like, "Can I just please relax?" And then and then honestly, like, I mean, it, it's kind of telling to me that people dislike the 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 brother and dislike the wife and and meanwhile, I mean, it's a part of the story as well. His dad's kind of a little bit of a celebrity too and has found himself in the news this week as well. Right. yeah, Uh, Mahomes doesn't have it easy when it comes to, like, the family and being uh, being celebrities or being in the news. Hey, Roberto,
0: um, one of the things that I was thinking about, too, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're a Saints fan, are you not? Uh, Sadly, yes. Yeah. Well, I I was just, we were talking in the break, actually, about um, just Mahomes and that. Um, I just heard on the radio, you may know this story, it was unbeknownst to me till a couple of days ago that um, when the draft came around where the Chiefs made their move up in the draft order mm-hmm. to get Mahomes, to make sure they got Mahomes, the team that they were you know, singularly focused on getting in front of because they had heard that they were dead set on getting Patrick Mahomes was New Orleans. Did you know That's that? That's correct. Yeah,
3: great. sadly I know that. Uh, and, and then to watch him do what he's done after having Drew Brees and then going to... I mean, Derek Carr, that's our answer. I don't want to talk about the Saints. That makes me want to drive off this bridge I'm about to go over. Sorry, man. But, but like, yeah, of course. Of course, it's the same. It's like being a Tennessee fan or a Tottenham fan, which I am. It's like everything could be right there, but it's, not, but it's just, you know, one inch in front of you and you get beat. So, um, but to Mahomes' legacy, I just want to say maybe I'm a sheep, but I, I think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame if he gets hurt tomorrow. And I think they're going to win. Am I am I crazy for saying I'm not betting against the uh, not betting against the Chiefs? Like no. I just think they're going to win.
1: No, I don't they think you're bet- crazy at all. I mean, like you know, obviously uh, the biggest difference in that game is your confidence in Patrick Mahomes, who has been there, done that, versus Brock Purdy, who has not, well, and been Andy there, who Reed has too. not done that. Same for Andy Reid and Shanahan. So I mean, the two yeah. most important positions you look at, you give yeah. the edge to the Chiefs. So no, you're not crazy at all.
3: All right, guys. Well, I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Thanks for taking my call.
1: Yes, sir. Have a good Friday. You know, I I saw—I think a couple years ago—the Saints saying that Bob, which I think is brilliant. Just be like, yeah, you know, we were totally going to draft that guy if he came to us. Yeah, you saw that a little bit Uh yesterday with Matt Rule. Talking about his time in Carolina. Oh, Purdy, yes. Yeah, he's like, you know, I wanted Brock Purdy, but I got vetoed, and they told me not to bring his name up again because that's how much I th- I respected Brock Purdy and wanted to maybe draft him. I definitely saw that the the last draft pick that has become a pretty good quarterback. I definitely saw him as a diamond in the rough.
0: Wasn't his isn't his little brother at Nebraska? Purdy's? Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't know. Bro- I think that
1: sounds maybe correct. Whenever his, I was- his
0: brother's name is uh, Chuba.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you, you're, you're right. I remember that from watching, I believe, the Colorado game earlier this yeah. year. I think he was uh, on the field at some point in that time. But, yeah, like the Hawks did that, which the Hawks do get credit for. They were like, you know, we were one spot away from getting Giannis. We had discovered this guy. And it's funny because, like, they had a coach um, that was working for them. And then they fired him. And then he went to work for the Bucks. And then the Bucks drafted Gian, uh, drafted Giannis and took him one spot ahead. And I just do think about you know like the Hawks were so close to like that generational talent to have the best player in the NBA. But it's easy to say, yeah, we were totally drafting him, one hundred percent. We had had all of our draft resources in him. We were trying to keep him a secret, <laughs> but they got us just a little bit. That they, they 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 jumped out right ahead of us. They got us on the Saints. I'm like, yep, Mahomes, that was our guy. But I mean, like to what we were saying about the Super Bowl preview, is is there anything deeper that you want to look into in this game in terms of matchups? Because to me, I just keep coming back to coaching and quarterback play.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about that. I, I really... There's part of me that's really intrigued by the whole Brock Purdy story and if they somehow could win, you know, given the fact he was undrafted at arguably the most important position. Hold on, hold on. See.
1: Not undrafted, the very last draft. Pick. Oh, I'm Mr. Sorry. Irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Um, Which maybe might be worse than being. No, undrafted. it's it's true. I mean, I just. But but an afterthought, basically. I mean, he was just. Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. And that's literally the name they give it because he's an afterthought. Right. So I, I think that that part is intriguing to me but it's kind of like what roberto said and we've talked about it before too i just don't i can't imagine right now when time comes on sunday for me to maybe do some recreational wagering for for recreational purposes only um I, it'd be tough for me to go against kansas city i just I, we'll we'll talk about that at the end of the show too. our official picks but i it's a tough one man i i I think it's going to be a great game, though. I do think that. I don't see it being a blowout on either side. I think it's going to be one of those that could have a classic finish.
1: Are we overstating Andy Reid's advantage over Kyle Shanahan? Or are we understating it? Because Reid has been really good for a long time. He used to be labeled kind of as a choker. But he's gotten rid of that moniker, of course. He gets the respect now for being... You know, a guy that can get over the hump. His time at Philadelphia, no one, you know, everyone used to make fun of him because, what, I think what, four straight conference championships and finally won, I think, the last one. And then he's going to Kansas City and gets credit for being just a winner. And
0: he hasn't really made any big mistakes in any of the big moments like he used to in Philadelphia. I, I would preface this by saying I'm a big fan of his. Um, I do think, I think back to that Tampa Bay Super Bowl, and I felt like they, they, were, they were totally – Ambushed at least defensively, or well, Kansas City's offense against Tampa Bay's defense. Yeah, um, that that one surprised me, and I wouldn't say that you know he just totally got ran out and was overmatched, but that one gave me pause. I mean, that's why sometimes I do think you know he's he's capable of being outcoached. Oh that, yeah, well yeah. I, I didn't
1: want to act like he couldn't be outcoached, and yeah. you know I don't know what coaching could have done to make that. Offensive line be able to block, you know, because at that point they were injured. The offensive line was kind of without their starting left tackle, if I remember correctly, and they just couldn't block Tampa Bay. I don't know what coaching could have done there, but I just mean Andy Reid used to be synonymous with gaffes, like bad timeouts, bad You're challenges, right. bad decisions. I'm not saying he can't be out coached, and and Shanahan might come out and out scheme him, and you know the the defensive coordinator at San Francisco, which. I don't even know who who is the defensive coordinator at San Francisco because for a while you know it was it was a very popular famous guy you know it was Robert Sala for so long then it was D'Amico Ryan's who is the defensive coordinator of San Francisco is it Steve Wilkes or no? It may be. Well, that would make sense if it was Steve Wilkes. I really hope it's not Steve Wilkes because if it's Steve Wilkes, I'm I'm definitely taking Kansas City because I remember what Steve Wilkes. Surely Steve Wilkes didn't go from getting fired at Missouri as their defensive coordinator to. Being San Francisco's defensive coordinator, surely not Sam. But the um, point—he is, he is. Yep. Well, no wonder their defense sucks this year. <laughs> all right, well, Kansas City it is. Spoiler alert: <laughs> I'm taking Kansas City. But I was gonna say, like you know, like their defense isn't great this year. It's not very good at all. And like you know, you give Kansas City the the nod there too when it comes to being able to to run the ball and be able to to move the ball against San Francisco. When I look at all those things kind of adding up, you know, we we say the quarterback's important, okay, that's that's fair. We say that the coach is important, okay. Well, Kansas City's got an edge there, and then you're looking at like stopping the run and running. I mean, I know Kansas City's not great at stopping the run, but they can run the ball, and San Francisco can't stop the run. So that's kind of where I keep coming back to, but I I I can't believe that that is. Their defensive coordinator. Did they not watch 2021 Missouri? <laughs> no wonder San Francisco can't stop the run this year. It all makes sense. It all makes sense. Anything else in the Super Bowl, Bob, that you are looking at right now on Friday and looking and saying this is important for what we need to talk about when we're previewing the game?
0: No, I think you touched on something that's really interesting, though, and I'm I, Of course, now I can't locate it, but they were, I think it was CBS Sports that was talking about the most, like the highest rated free agents that will be coming out of the Super Bowl. And it really put in perspective, a vast majority of them were Kansas City defensive backs. Um, and, And again, we've covered this before, but it bears saying again, and that is, on paper, it looks like San Francisco has the best defense because of the brand names that are there, you know, uh, Chase Young and um, Bosa, Bosa, and yeah, all those. But but Kansas City clearly, clearly has the better defense, and it's almost it's almost overlooked because you get so sucked into the Mahomes Kelsey storyline, and uh, I think that's that's really. That's the difference in this game and and Steve Wilkes. Um, Well, I mean, I I would go as far
1: as saying that I think the best unit in the game is Kansas City's quarterback. So, like, Kansas City's quarterback, the best unit in the game. The second best unit in the game is probably Kansas City's secondary. Yeah. Now, you know, you could point to say, like, hey, Kansas City is banged up on the offensive line. Is it Joe Thune? Joe Thune? Whatever the hell you say his name. Like he's questionable, uh, doubtful. I believe even as far as saying it's going to be unlikely he plays. It's like you know maybe they a little banged up and might struggle to block San Francisco a little bit. But like I, I I haven't seen Kansas City really get lit up in the air all year. Yeah. Do we think Brock Purdy is going to be the one that does it? Now maybe he's got some weapons, you know, with Debo and Ayuk and Kittle and. You know, Juwan Jennings might make a big catch here and there and Christian McCaffrey in the passing game. But to me, the best unit that's not Patrick Mahomes is Kansas City secondary. That defense has been really good all year. You know, we've talked about the over-unders in the second half for Kansas City. Their offense hasn't been very good in any second half, but also, like, their defense doesn't really give up anything. Like, they gave up some yards last week to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens or two weeks ago, but they didn't give up any points. You know, it took them all half to kick three points at the end to to go from ten to seven points down. Seven to ten points scored.
2: I feel like I might take the Niners' run game as the second-best unit in the you game. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Just because I think factoring also in how bad the Chiefs' run D is with it. Like, I think the Niners have good enough weapons in terms of their receivers. And yeah, they're, like, they're receiving threats compared to – Kansas City secondary. I think obviously the Chiefs have a great secondary, but I just think that's just a tough matchup. I think obviously the the Niners have a, a better advantage in the run game.
1: I don't necessarily push back too much on that. I did think because you know McCaffrey's a star, just went offensive player of the year. But I do think that as good as he is at running back, Legarius Sneed is just as good yeah. out on the outside, you yeah. know, taking that number one receiver. So like I think when you look at him and McDuffie, that duo is maybe the best cornerback duo in the league, or at least one of, and Snead might be the best cornerback in the league this year, at least statistically. Like, no one's no one's beating him. So, like, I put him just on par with McCaffrey. So, like, the two of those and, you know, throwing the other guys, because, I mean, like, I guess we trust, is, is it still Elijah Mitchell as their backup running back? Yeah. I believe yeah. so. Like, he's fine. But McCaffrey, yeah, of course, is a stud. I mean, I don't want to act like McCaffrey's not. He's awesome.
0: Jumping back to the coaches for a second, if – If San Francisco does win this, what does that change in terms of the narrative about Kyle Shanahan? He's obviously a highly regarded coach, but we've talked about it. He comes in kind of second fiddle to Andy Reid, but does he then become, you know, does he start getting included in that top, top top-tier conversation?
1: I feel like he already does kind of get included, maybe not in the top, top top-tier, but people all rank him as a top-five coach. I would agree with that, yeah. Now, if you want to say that a Super Bowl now makes him number 2, in the league behind Andy Reid. And, you know, when you're looking at young and innovative, you know, he might, some people might say he's the best, and this finally solidifies that for him. Maybe, you know, I, for offense, it's Shanahan, it's McDaniel, it's McVeigh. Of course, McVeigh right now, the only one there with a Super Bowl ring. I had Andy Reid there in, as well in terms of the offensive minds. But, like, the biggest thing it would do for Shanahan for me is just wiping away the sins that he has of being a choke artist. Because I think you label him as a choke artist. At least I do. I, I don't know. Dan Quinn gets it a little bit. But, like, when I talk about blowing that 28-3 to lead, I don't really blame Dan Quinn as much as I blame Kyle Shanahan. He was the one calling the offense. Right. He's the one that had Matt Ryan drop him back and taking sacks instead of kicking a, you know, a game-winning field goal, essentially. He's the one that couldn't ice the game away. Like, I, I look at Kyle Shanahan as being the reason they lost that game. And then you look at them blowing the Super Bowl – against Kansas City the first go-around when they're up 10 in the fourth quarter and blowing a 10-point lead against the Rams a couple years ago in the NFC Championship when they have you know half of SoFi Stadiums in red or even more than half, like it's a home game, and you're up 10 in the fourth quarter. I look at Shanahan kind of as a choke artist, which maybe isn't fair. Shanahan gets credit for being like a guy that takes quarterbacks to a different level, right? He turned Matt Ryan into an MVP. He turned Jimmy Garoppolo into a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback, or at least a quarterback good enough to get to the Super Bowl with. Look what he's done with Brock Purdy. But still, it's like, yeah, but, yeah, but you don't really trust Shanahan. Maybe it's because he was wearing the flat bill caps on the sideline, and that's not really something you equate to leadership. Not to go full Colin Cowherd here, but when he when he talks about that with the quarterbacks, I'm like, a quarterback can wear a backwards hat, Colin. It's okay. Most of these quarterbacks are going to be in their early 30s. I, I, You can still wear a backwards hat. It's all right. But the head coaches, I will admit, when I see – When I see Shanahan wearing the flat bill on the sideline, I'm like, that doesn't scream leadership. That guy can't win the big one. You don't see Bill Belichick wearing a hat. You don't see Andy Reid wearing a flat bill hat. I'm like, you know what, there might be something to that. Maybe it's because he looks like Kendall Roy. I don't know. But for now, you look at Shanahan as a choke artist but if he gets that ring, it's going to do the same thing it did for him, Bob, as that I said
0: did for Andy Reid. Yeah, legitimizes him, right? I mean, truly legitimizes him. He's, he gets enough respect at the moment, but there's those types of memories hovering around him. You call it legitimize. I just say baptize. Like it
1: baptizes him in, in a sports sense, not to be sacrilegious, but like to, to wash away the sins of the past. Like Andy Reid went from choke artist, walrus, fat, goofy. <laughs> Choke artist, can't win the big one, can't call timeouts, doesn't know when to challenge, blah, blah, blah. So now Andy Reid is a champion, and you give him credit for being able to handle end-of-game situations, for being innovative around the goal line, for creating new wrinkles and and creating new ways to to score and guys to get the ball to. He was baptized with that first Super Bowl. And now like maybe it was a confidence thing. Maybe it's like if a guy going up and hitting a free throw or finally breaking through and, and having a good game or something. You see that first shot go in and then you're like, well, you know what? I can play at this level. I can coach at this level. Cause when Reed broke through, he became, you know, a, a solidified top two, maybe top one coach in the NFL. Now I think he is number one. And I think if he wins the Super Bowl, he has a chance of catching Belichick in terms of perception. Yeah. I think he still has a chance to retire as maybe having the best, or at least maybe the most respected, one of the most respected careers in the NFL. Because he has a chance to be the all time winningest coach. He has a chance to get a third Super Bowl. And then if they win this one, you're probably going to say, you know what? They can get back and maybe win one more before the end of his career. And yeah. He's in rarefied air.
0: Yeah, he's in sniffing distance of all-time playoff wins, right? With behind Belichick, he's only like five behind him or six behind him. So oh, I even
1: realized that. I was talking just the all-time wins cuz I mean yeah. I think if he coaches for another six or seven years he's going to get there, but yeah, all-time playoff wins. I would imagine Yeah, it's, I think
0: it's a six game Delta right now, which okay. that, that feels very attainable, too. I mean, the playoff part, the, the part that matters, right? The the one that everybody wants to talk about is how you do in the postseason.
1: Belichick holds the record at 31. A little surprising. Yeah, reads at 25. Would have thought he'd have had more playoff wins in his career. I understand it's hard. You know, you don't have many games in the playoffs. But, I mean, the, the Eagles are in those, like I said, four straight conference championships but i guess if you have a first round bye,
0: you kind of lose a win every year for that i'm sorry i just saw some video of uh shanahan at his presser and he's got a flat bill on Somebody needs to get his ear i'm surprised his dad has it
1: yeah i'm surprised old mike has it been like son take that goofy stuff off
2: <laughs> come on people were saying you showing up drunk to the press conferences the super bowl press conferences
1: shanahan has been yeah what i haven't seen this storyline yeah Where'd you see that? Like TMZ? A couple days ago,
2: just at like the start of media day. So like
1: the Monday celebration or whatever. He's been out in Vegas partying. I mean,
2: guess he didn't look like super, you know, super messed up. But sure, could tell he was like, "What did you say?" And he leaned his ear into the microphone to be (laughs) hear the question.
1: (laughs) Now on Friday, if he shows up today at the presser drunk,
2: yeah, that would be an issue.
1: But I gotta say, you know, at, at this point, I don't think you're gonna put anything into the game plan that's gonna matter. I think if you're the Forty Niners, if you're the Chiefs, you
2: know what you're gonna try to do. It's Super Bowl week. You don't get there often. Enjoy it a little bit.
1: Well, I'll just say don't <laughs> overthink it. I was gonna say maybe the opposite. Not maybe not enjoy it, like hey, you don't get there, hey, celebrate. I was gonna say maybe like get out of the office and quit stressing. Not so much enjoy it, like, hey, don't go out and live it up, but just like don't sit in front of your computer or sit at your at your you know, in front of your clicker trying to diagram plays and figure stuff out. The work's been done. Don't beat yourself up and like Go out and have a couple drinks if it helps you sleep at night. Like, relax. Because else you're going to you know, work yourself into a frenzy and you're going to be too overwhelming. You're going to be too overbearing and you're going to press and you're going to make mistakes. you got to loosen up. Relax a little bit. If he was drunk, I hope he was drinking White Claw Hard Seltzer. Take it to your Super Bowl party this weekend. You can pick up a bottle of their vodka. they got flavored vodka. I prefer the, the black cherry vodka. They also just got premium, just straight up vodka. Or you can take a variety pack of vodka, their OG packs, to your Super Bowl party. Ditch the beer belly bloke. Please drink responsibly. We appreciate White Claw, Hard Seltzer, and Cherokee distributing for their support. Hour one in the books. We'll kick off hour two of some things you might have missed from the night before. Bob, you got some guests lined up for us in hours two and three?
0: Uh yes, in hour three. We have two guests. Um we have Dustin Colquitt joining us, former uh Kansas City Chief punter, Super Bowl champion, and uh VFL of course, and then um then we have our weekly uh weekend betaway segment with uh, Eli Hershkovich. He's gonna do a little bit of college basketball, but probably mostly focus on Super Bowl. Awesome. We'll kick off hour two with some things you might have missed from the night before.
1: Send us a break. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio.
0: Making them better.